When I talk to property investors, they often tell me using debt is a key advantage over other asset classes. In the stock market, using debt is often called gearing. The new BetaShares Wealth Builder Funds, ASX ticker symbols G200 and GHHF, offer moderate gearing across Australian and global shares for investors who are comfortable with the higher risks associated with gearing their investments. You can discover how they work by visiting betashares.com.au. Please don't forget that gearing magnifies gains and losses, so read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. Is there a Spotify wrapped for investing? If you want to invest in shares or ETFs, our friends at Perla are more than one step ahead of the curve. On average, people who use Perla invest $1,750 every month. That's what we want to see, proper dollar cost averaging. With automated investing tools making your life simple, Perla investors have well and truly mastered the art of investing small bits lots of times. So if you're ready to start growing your net worth in 2024, follow the link in your Spotify or Apple podcast player right now to discover how you can get started today. Welcome to the Australian Finance Podcast. I'm Kate Campbell. And I'm Owen Rask. And we're here to give you the tools and knowledge to invest both your time and money better. If you're new, feel free to jump in with our Starter Pack series that aired in early 2022 or our Shares or ETF mini series. We've got plenty to share with you in today's episode, but if you want to catch us on socials, head to Rask Australia on Insta and Twitter. I'm also found at Kate Campbell AUS on Insta. And I'm Owen Rask AU on Insta. Just beware of the fake accounts. We'll never DM you about trading strategies or crypto. And if it sounds a bit weird, it's probably not us. And just one final heads up before we get into the show. This podcast contains general financial information only. Chris Bates, welcome back to the Australian Finance Podcast. Hi, Kate. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. It's lovely to have you in our Sydney studio today. I know. It's always nicer in person. I do enjoy it. It's, um, we can get deep into a topic today. So what are we, what are we going to chat about? We're talking about the green and red flags to look out for as a consumer when it comes to people in the property industry, which I think is pretty important to know about. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the property world's got a lot of different players in it. It's got a end of the day, you want something at the end of it, right? So you've sort of got to play the system, play the game, but then you also want to know what are the sort of warning signs and who do I avoid and, you know, who do I gravitate towards? Um, and what are some of the mistakes? And I think learning from people's mistakes is one of the best ways to, you know, to actually play the game, I guess. Yeah, and it does feel like a bit of a game when you're going to auctions and you're dealing with agents and you're trying to negotiate prices. Yeah, absolutely. People are very, very frustrated at the game, you know, like it's uh, underquoting, for example, with real estate agents or just the difficulty, you know, not being enough properties on the market or, and unfortunately, you've just got to go through the pain to, to get the result because not, not playing the game potentially isn't an option, right? And whether it means you haven't got security with home or whether you can't, you miss that as an asset class from a growth point of view. So hate the players, but don't hate the game a little bit. you just got to play the game. I think that's how, how the saying goes or something. But um, yeah, play it and just try to play it as smart as you can and try to make as few mistakes. Um, and rather than changing the system or getting too frustrated with the system because the system's probably not going to change, but how you play, you can. Yeah, and you've got a bit of insight here as a mortgage broker. You've been in this industry for quite a long time now. Yeah, I mean, I've been a financial advisor since 2007 with property markets since 2012. So the first five years, there was a lot of older clients and 
pre-retiree and helping people, you know, money not run out in, in retirement. But um, yeah, since 2012, it was as a financial advisor that was working with mortgage brokers, but then became a mortgage broker back in 2013. And since then, I've always been working with buyers agents as well. So, you know, we refer to over 40 around the country. So we've seen a lot of different markets, a lot of different people. Um, and, you know, also, you know, doing things myself, you know, you get that on the ground experience as well. Yeah. Uh, and I'm pretty useless at that. So, um, <laughs> bit of the politics as well uh, behind you, the scenes. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you have to deal with the real estate agents. You, if you want to uh, get your buyer's agents, there's a whole world there. The, um, oh, there yeah. was even a TV show about it in Sydney, wasn't there? Lux Listings. <laughs> yeah, that's um, <laughs> that's showing a certain side of buyer's agency. Um, Simon and the ultra high net worth sort yeah. of element. But then you got buyer's agents at all elements. Um, and then you got ones that, you know, really are doing a great job and you got ones that potentially, because it's completely unregulated, um, they might be selling off the plan or might be selling new townhouses or they might be selling lots of cheap investment properties around the country. And so, so it's a really murky world and so you've got to kind of navigate it um, because it is unregulated and it's, you know, big financial decisions, you know, when you're talking hundreds of thousands or millions and then a debt attached to it that you've got to pay, Um you know, if you get it right or wrong, those decisions compound in the right or wrong direction. And I think that's why it's so important to, to get educated. And so, you know, that's why it's so valuable listening and, and educating yourself before you make these big moves because property is very unforgiving. It's sort of, you know, once you've made that decision, you don't really consider if it was a good decision until many years down the line. And a lot of people don't really. They just buy it and they just, she'll be right, mate. I'll just just whatever it is, it is. But, you know, really you should be back testing that decision and saying, what could I have done five years ago instead of that? How would that have performed? And what was the opportunity cost? And so when people make their proper decisions, they make it and then they consider it five, 10 years down the line whether it was a good decision. Shares would be different. People make their, you know, is it a good or bad decision very quickly because you've got that real market timing reporting. Um, and so, yeah, if you, with property, it's you're in huge transaction costs, and then if it goes well, it goes well. If it doesn't, it doesn't. So all your research has to happen before you enter um, to make that decision as best you can. It feels like a bit of a perception in Australia, like any property is good property. It's just good to get in the market. Yeah. CoreLogic released a report last week. So it's um, October now. Um, every quarter they do a pain and gain report. If you believe that every property goes up and everybody goes up the um, right rate, same rate, Read that report and you'll see how many people lose on property. You know, what percentage of people resell at a loss? It's mm. astounding, you know, 30, 40% of unit holders, uh, apartment holders at a loss. You know, even more prolific in cities that have had downturns like Perth or Darwin. Um, and so, yeah, and you can see that uh, how long you hold a property and houses and apartments, they all grow at different rates. And that report really opens your eyes and go, actually, a lot of people are losing money on property, which people don't talk about at barbecues. All right, Chris. Now, our listeners don't want to make these big property mistakes. Mm. So maybe if we start with real estate agents, what are some of the things, maybe a green flag and a red flag we should be thinking about? Yeah, so there's probably, um, you know, the first thing you have to do is to know that real estate isn't your friend, really. They're there to act for the vendor's best interest. And real estate agents are amazing at sort of building rapport and making you feel like you're a friend, but what they're trying to do is get information out of you, right? And so sometimes people will try to withhold that information because they think, look, the real estate agent is my friend, so I'm not going to tell them anything. But what the agent then can't help you because they don't know really what your budget is or what you really want. And they actually see you as a, uh, a buyer that isn't ready to go. 
And so when they got a property that could sell fast, they won't think of you because they just don't know how serious you are. So I really started asking you lots of questions and trying to get you know your situation. It's true, um, but you also, uh, that's a good sign, you know, rather than one just trying to get you into a property, just buy anything. I would say you try to work with an agent because if an agent knows more and more about your situation, they're more likely to put you on their hit list. And if that property comes up that suits what you're looking for and you tell them that you're pre-approved and you're ready to go and you're ready to make, then that's the agents I'd say close to. So you want to befriend the agent. Don't go, oh, I'm not going to tell them anything because they're just going to try to, you know, sell me something. Mm. A real red flag, I think, uh, which can turn into a positive is if they're sort of like in the process saying, trying to make you make an offer, you know, because when they're trying to make you make an offer, it could be two things. One, they've already got really strong competition and they're going to try to create a like an auction, Dutch off auction, com, you know, where they get lots of people making offers at the same time, not an actual auction. It's done via text messages or emails or phone calls. Or they're trying to get you to make an offer because they've got no other bidders and no other and so that's a real red flag where you say actually i don't think there's anyone interested in this property i need to cool my jets yeah i don't there's and they well, well the reason they'll try to get you to make an offer is they'll say someone else is getting ready to make an offer or someone tomorrow is just doing some doing a building and pest tomorrow we think they're going to make an offer so they use that terminology where they haven't actually got an offer or sometimes they say they've got an offer but then you ask if it's written down or is it an actual offer have you presented that to the vendor and if they say no, well, then you know they're fishing on you just to get an offer. Um, and so I would say that's a red flag that's actually, hey, hang on a sec. This property is not as hot. I need to call my jets. I'm going to try to use that as a negotiation um, you know, advantage rather than, oh, my God, someone else is going to make an offer. I really need to make an offer. Yeah, that sense of urgency can cause us to do things we might not have wanted to do before. Yeah, and agents finally do that. If at one of those two times, I only try to get you to make an offer if they haven't got any other offers and they're just trying to get someone to buy it. So they're trying to create scarcity or they have actually got offers. So it's hard to read, you know? And so I think it's asking a lot of more questions around the offers they've got. When did they get them? Who are they from? And just try to um, do the BS test on it, right? And if they can give you some real clear information, they present it to the vendor, it's going to sell. Then you take it more serious and you go, actually, if I don't make an offer, I'm going to lose it. Do I want to lose it? And then you go down a negotiation. But if it's very vague, it's a good sign that, you know, the advantage is to you and yep. then you just you don't have to put that urgency there. You just let time do its thing. And, you know, the agent will always come up with a, like you as a, um, a buyer, you can always change your plan. So the agent could always say, oh, that offer fell through. So it's still on the market. You know, there's just because they're saying an offer's on the table, it doesn't mean that it's going to go ahead. Yeah, there's lots of reasons why it might not go ahead too. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's often that that's the game. So agents play that strategy when they think you're ready to go uh, and they try to motivate you with a potential offer out there. Okay. Where should, where should we go next, buyers, buyers agents? Yeah, so buyers agents are a really um, interesting world. I did mention before that it is unregulated, right? Um, and there's a few different buyers agency associations. I'd, I'd say that the right buyers agent, a real green flag is similar to that real estate agent asking you lots of questions. Is someone who's really talking you through your life and what are you, where are you going to live long term and how are you going to do that and well, how do you envisage this property working for you? It's not all of a sudden trying to push you to their strategy, um, what they're used to buying. Um, and I think what a, a good buyer's agent sort of is almost trying to do that life planning sort of trusted advisor chat is really questioning you up front, truly getting a 
you know, asking you big questions like, would you consider this suburb or would you consider that suburb? What matters more to you is four bedrooms or a second bathroom or a carport. Tries to get that brief really tight um, because the buyers agents we see that don't do that, they just try to get you signed up, get you onto a fee. And then once you've paid something, you've got skin in the game and then they'll just start throwing you properties. And so, you know, the real green flags, the advisor, the buyers agent that, you know, slows down because those buyers agents have been doing it for five, 10 years, know that they don't want to take you on a client unless they know that what you want is achievable. And so they get really clear at that front. They don't waste signing you up and then disappoint you. Yep. Um, a red flag would be um, the opposite to that, to be honest, when a buyer's agent really starts to all of a sudden say, oh, no, don't do what you're doing here. Why don't you go down this investment strategy? And this is what my other clients are doing. They're almost selling you a product or a solution, but they're not listening to you and what you want. Um, and there's lots of buyer's agents who play in that space because they, they try to go down a solution that's easy for them to facilitate. You know, buying investment property is really easy. Buying homes and, you know, for people is really hard um, in comparison. Yeah, so finding someone who's actually going to take time upfront to figure out what you want and if it's realistic too rather than just saying pay money and we'll sort it out later. Yeah, and if you do go to anyone who is on the investment side because you've got your home sorted, the biggest red flag is if any buyer's agent buys a new property. Um, and it can be that black and white. You know, there's, there's, in my view, there's not even like good new property. You know, there's, um, if you're buying new property, you, you, as a buyer's agent, you're doing it for one or two reasons. One, because you get big kickbacks that way. Are they still allowed that? Yeah, absolutely. They can okay. get huge kickbacks from developers. It's all unregulated. So, you know, depending on the city, depending on the size, like how difficult the property is to sell, to be honest. The harder the property is to sell for the developer, the more commission they give. Um, so like in Brisbane, apartments were really hard to sell. They were giving huge commissions to people introducing properties, like 10, 15% of the purchase price. So 40, 60 grand, you know, et cetera. So any buyer's agent that says, yeah, I buy some new for depreciation benefits or I buy new, that to me is a huge red flag. And personally, I would go to a buyer's agent that just doesn't do that, only buys established and is very, uh, because it's too easy for them to try to play both sides. Yeah. You know, I'll get a big kickback from a developer. Um, and even if they say I give the money back from the developer and I charge you a fee, it's still too murky and they're not buying great assets. Is there a risk there that buyers agents might start providing advice in areas they're not qualified to provide advice in? Yeah, there is that. So they'll give you an amazing uh, property forecast, research, um, and research and property investment. They're two words that go interlinked. And the problem with that is they're usually trying to sell something. You know, it's a beautiful document uh, and it's selling this solution that's getting them big kickbacks. And in that document, there's beautiful forecasting, all these capital growth returns and depreciation benefits. And so that would be a red flag in itself. If someone's trying to give you this depreciation schedule and these forecasts of capital growth returns of 7 8% and it's beautiful, this is how much money it's going to make you, run. Because, Sounds like tax advice to me. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and they'll, they'll you know, be obviously a disclaimer on there, you know, past guides, past returns aren't guides future. But yeah, any like I've been to lots of property days and home buyer cinemas and these things just float around. Everyone's just <laughs> promising these ridiculous returns. And so, yeah, be very careful in that space. What about uh, with conveyances or lawyers that are helping you with the contract side of the process? Yeah, so it's a big, it's a, um, you know, there's lots of big expensive process, you know, buying a property, you've got stamp duty, you've got the deposit. And so people try to save money on the fringes, you know, but it's in one of the things we see them try to save money on is not doing a building and pest, which prime example while I'm here is story last year, Clive bought a multi-million dollar property down near Thoreau, um, you know, last year. 
Um, they had a real estate agent was offering them a $50 building and pest. Um, they said no to that, which most agents do. Most people take that, to be honest. $50 sounds pretty cheap yeah, for building and they, pest. They aggregate it across all the buyers and okay. whoever then wins it pays a few hundred dollars more. Yeah. And so it's a, seen as a cheaper option when you're trying to buy a property because it's only $50 per property rather than $600. Our client did their own through a different person for $600. The report that they got found all three bathrooms, waterproofing was damaged and there was all these issues and the real estate agents didn't have that. It was $150,000 of cost. They ended up negotiating $100,000 off the purchase price because they spent $600 and they wow. would not have found it. And so, and we've seen that multiple times. So people try to save money on building and pests by doing using the real estate agents, which is too conflicted, or they try to do it on its conveyancing. So they go for a nine ninety. Or a fourteen ninety, you know, online conveyancing service, and because they're trying to do it at a low cost, the people that are doing those checks on the contract, the people who are facilitating the settlement, um, may uh, may not have the experience, right, or may not have the time to actually go through things in detail. And you know, you don't need to miss much, whether it's something with the local planning or with the easements or even the contract and releasing a deposit. Um, and so I would say, you know, for an extra little bit more is I would go for someone who's dealing with, you know, got reputation risk, they've got a small business and they're charging a little bit more and then they can actually spend a bit more time going through that contract because they might only happen 0.1% of the time. But if something goes wrong there with the contract, it could be a big deal. Um, and, you know, it's spending the time to educate you on title insurance and all these other things, the checks that they may not be doing because they're trying to do things at a low cost. And so... Um, the big red flag is those providers. And what we find is the experience you have once you've purchased is you're chasing up the conveyancer and then they haven't got a phone number and then you have to call some other number and you, you waste multiple hours between when you purchase and when you settle. If you add those hours onto the top of the cost, you'd probably be the same cost as that one person is all over it and you don't have to contact them at all because you know that they've got it covered. Yeah. What's the sign of a good conveyancer if we're looking for one? Um, I would say that someone who just doesn't uh, facilitate what you want. So, um, you know, one that we work with, you know, she's always like pushing for like, anything she can get in the buyer's favour, she pushes for. Mm. She doesn't think that's reasonable. And even if it's things where you as a buyer, because you're emotional, you just want to get the property, you might think, oh, that doesn't matter too much for me. She'll say, no, no, let's ask for it. They can always say no. So a, a good um, conveyancer will push and ask for a lot and then potentially let some of those things go as part of the negotiation, but won't just look for the the small win, the, the big wins like the, the price and the settlement terms. They'll look at little things in the contract, like maybe it's access to the property uh, prior to settlement so you can take some photos or do open houses. Now, you as a buyer might say, I don't really need that, I just want it. But if you can get that as part of the negotiation, that's a good value add. And so, um, or it might be, oh, the vendor wants to get access to, to the deposit so they can buy another property. Whereas they'll say, no, no, we want, we want to give them that. You know, so they'll get it removed out of the contract and only give it back if it's a negotiation. So it becomes a negotiation tool. So, you know, someone who's got a lot of experience knows how to ask what's, what's okay to ask for to be removed and what's okay to be asked to be added and what can we vary. Um, and so the good ones know how to play that game. 
We're taking a quick break to share a message about Pocketsmith, one of our wonderful partners on the show. Pocketsmith is a customizable personal finance management tool that helps you be the best CFO for your household. Get on top of your finances, understand where your money is going and forecast ahead. Track your net worth up to 60 years into the future and reach your money goals. If you're ready to manage your money like a pro, Pocketsmith have a special deal for you. Get 50% off your first two months of Pocketsmith's foundation plan by heading to pocketsmith.com slash rask or click the link in the show notes let's get back to the show yeah just personally the conveyancer i used who was also a solicitor uh during the process she was just super proactive with communication yep. she did all the phone calls between all the parties so i didn't have to worry about that she sent me a checklist of things i needed to do and even in the pre-inspection maybe two or three days before settlement, she sort of reminded me to go and have a have a look, and there was a few things that were missing, and so she sorted out all of that with the the sellers. So it was just really made the process a lot easier. Yeah, and that's one of those ones we are paying a little bit more when things do go, don't go to plan. You know, it could be on settlement day, they've left heaps of stuff there, and you say, well, you either give us five hundred dollars to get it removed, or we're going to delay settlement a day. You know, um, so they they can fight those little wins for you where. Uh, and even just coming up to settlement, it's so stressful, you know, that period. You've, you've got to think about moving, you've got to think about new furniture, you've got to think about all the changes. And There's often a lot of dates you need to line up. So if things are pushed back and forth today, it could cost you a lot. Yeah, exactly. And then, um, you know, we've had clients nearly miss settlements and we've been, you know, chasing solicitors that, you know, just won't answer calls, um, and particularly in those underlying cheaper ones that, yeah, it's a nightmare. So go with a, a very experienced, maybe a little bit more, but that time is, is money well spent. Yeah, given how big this purchase is for most people. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Okay, well, what about your home ground, mortgage brokers? Mm. So I think it's um, the first thing you want to do is know that most brokers, are pretty much all brokers are coming from the same you know toolkit, right? So we've all got access to the same banks. We've all got access to the same products. And so if you go to a broker and they start pushing you on the amazing rate they can get or this new product or something like that, that's a red flag, you know, because what they're trying to win you on is rates and product. They're not trying to win you on mortgage strategy and advice. And so- So like that, before they even know anything about you, they're just going straight to the rate. Yeah, or the product. Oh, you can get pre-approved at CBA and they're trying to win you on a product without really understanding your situation. And I think that's definitely what, uh, the problem with that is that if there is a, they, they, while they sound like they know their products, what they're trying to do is just sell the product that they know or the rate to win you. They're not really the best brokers, I would say, don't talk about products. Um, really focus on the other side of your situation. What's your plan now? What's your plan in the future? How's this property going to work? What's your future lending needs going to look like? Can I match the right product to that now? And then they go and figure out who's going to give them that product. So. It sounds like the right thing at first. Oh, that person really knows their product. They, they found the product straight away. They know the best rate, but actually, no, they they don't. They're just selling the product they know that and they're going to try to win you on a headline rate. The other big red flag is headline rates. To be honest, it's you know a lot of products have got these introductory rates where they're great for the first twelve months or two years, and then they jump to a a higher rate, um, or they're they're no fees and they don't offer an offset account or etc so just be very wary on the sometimes that what looks to be a great rate today um and it might not be in the future because mm, if they don't take the time to really understand 
what you want. They might not realize you want an offset account. You might end up with something that's not suitable. Yeah, and they just haven't explored other options. Like, you know, maybe it's paying a little bit of lenders mortgage. Maybe it's a guarantor loan. Um, you know, maybe it's uh, paying, having a small loan and then, you know, but a bank that you can do a you know, renovation at might be easy to get cash out. Or there's lots of things where the product you want today to suit your future plans. And um, if they don't even know what your future plans and how can they match that product? So that would be the, the big reference. The opposite, obviously, that is the, the the broker that, you know, really starts to think through your decision, you know, doesn't just validate what you want to do as well. Like, I think they need to say, stop you sometimes to say, actually, this isn't a good decision. We yeah. do that all the time, you know. You know, client come in thinking they wanted to do X and we've completely flipped that. We've changed their thinking. They may not even, instead of trying to buy today, maybe they're buying in six or 12 months' time um, and they need to save a bit more, but that's okay. That's a much better decision. Uh, maybe it takes a little bit longer to enter. But um, So I think a broker that does that. Um, Pushes back a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. We, we're trying to get the, get the broker industry to take that step yeah. um, because coming from financial advice, we see ourselves as more trusted advisors and we think the broker's role needs to, you know, and because the brokers are getting attacked a little bit by digital, like every other industry, AI, you know, the product side is attacking brokers that are offering products. So the way for the broker industry to evolve to, you know, to beat that fight is to become more advice driven um, and to offer something that, you know, AI can't do. Um, and so we just think if brokers are the facilitator or is the enabler to a lot of debt in the world, they should also be, you know, giving advice or guidance to stop them making poor decisions. Mm. Um, so they might not actually do it themselves, but at least highlighting and say, actually, I need you need to speak to a financial planner. Actually, you know what? I think you you know need to speak to someone who knows what talking about property. They're not just following what their friend did. Um, so stopping them if they think they're making a poor decision and you know encouraging them to speak to other experts. That's a really important value add because there's so many people in our lives that are just going to say, yes, any property is great. You should just get into the market. But having one person to actually... Maybe just say, have you thought about this? Have you thought about this? A lot of us don't have someone for that. Mm. Yeah, and it's hard. I think there's the broking industry to make that step because um, what they want to do is they want to be the facilitator to enable the transaction to go through. So they don't really want to put you know, uh, hurdles in that may slow something down or yeah. send it in a different path because they actually just want to get them as a customer. Um, and they, the easiest way to do that is just to say, be a yes person and, yep, you want that? Yeah, I can do that. I can do that. They don't say, no, have you thought about X, Y, Z? Um, because that slows things down. And But I think the, the best brokers do that. They take that client for life philosophy and they say, right, actually, I have slowed it down, but I know I've got a client for life here. I know they're making a better decision. And it's actually like a snowball effect anyway. For those clients, they don't leave because they know they've got someone they can trust and they refer. So the brokers, once they get that, they, they know that's a much better decision as well. All right. And what about... The products themselves, the mortgages. Yeah, so that introductory rates, you know, real basic frills, no home loans without any offset accounts because offset accounts are an amazing tool to use when you're borrowing, um, no matter really what um, uh, stage of the you know, property journey you're at. Um, on a positive or green flag, it's really uh, loans which are called package loans that have got discounts locked in for the life of the loan. That's really what you want is to try to get a, a loan that's locked in with a big discount because if banks in the in the future reduce how much the discounts are, which they have done in the last six months, it's been the, they've always been increasing the discounts for new customers. But in the last six months, they I think they realised they went too far, 
And so now they're actually reducing discounts. So people who were getting loans six months ago are getting discounts bigger than clients are today. And if discounts don't go back up again, then they've locked in a, a deal that's probably going to be the best deal ever. Um, and so I think that's a real thing you want to look for is a discount locked in for the life loan versus an introductory rate um, and an offset account um, is the two main things. The colour of the bank, um, and I would say just be careful going to non-banks. You've got your big four, your INGs and your um, you know, Macquarie's and things like that. Um, but then you've got non-banks and those non-banks haven't got the same funding line. So you just got to be careful. If you go to those banks, you just know that if things don't go very well for them, then your rates could jump up. So you need to be able, if you go there, you need to be able to jump back out, which yeah. is, you know, the reason usually people go there is they can't get lending at other banks. And so it's a risky move unless you can refinance out. Mm, I think we covered a lot. There's yeah. a lot of different things to think about when it comes to property, isn't there? Yeah, and I think the last thing is probably on the property side. So, you know, I think when you are out there looking, you've got to go, well, what are the the green flags on this property? What are the uh, the good things about this actual property? And what are the things that are negative? And you know, the good things will always stand out. It's got great light. It's a good street. It's got good privacy. Um, and that's great. And they, they will drive its value up because the more good things a property has, the better. But what you really want to do is, is I, I think property is like managing risk, right? So you think the more, the less negatives this property's got, the less risk it's got, right? So you've got to go out and go, what will people not like about this property? And get into, and not just what you as a single or a couple, but what would other buyer pools not like? And think about all the different people. So you've got singles, you've got couples, you've got young families, you've got older families, you've got downsizers, you've got divorcees, you've got single families you know there's lots of different buyer pools out there um and while you're not at those stages you can sort of envisage what they would like and sort of go through those buyer pools and go well yeah it really suits singles but it doesn't suit couples because it's a studio right okay well that wouldn't suit set families it might not suit so it maybe is really targeted just to singles and that's not the greatest demographic in terms of borrowing um but, you know, you could say this property is really good for young families, really good for older families because it's got multiple living stones. It's really good for downsizers because it's not lots of stairs and there's parking. And so, or it's it's not good for those bipoles because it could be like, oh, it's on a busy road and families wouldn't like that. Or it's got privacy problems. Um, and, you know, or it could be um, that it's got lots of stairs or um you know etc so you've got to sort of look at the property and ideally the the compromises or the things that are not great about a property you really want to minimize those yeah um and the best properties or it could be as dark because it's you know south facing and it's another building giving its shadow or you know or it's got lots of issues with the building or it's got you know ne- the neighbors are you know not great or etc so or it's got flight paths or yeah so it's just when you're there, don't get fall in love with the the styling and the feel of it. You've got to start saying, what's wrong with this property? Um, because those things that other buyers will see and those other buyers will be discounting it in the future. They won't go stretch their limit because they'll go, I love it, but there's some problem that they don't like and they'll like limit what they spend. Whereas the best properties, they'll just go, there's nothing wrong with this property. It ticks all my boxes. And then they whatever the budget they've got, They'll just spend it all. And then they'll ask family, friends for money. And so you'll see there's a real gap between the properties that tick all the boxes versus not. Yeah. So thinking a few steps ahead to who would you be selling it to and what would they be thinking about the property? Yeah. And ideally the multiple buyer pools. So you love, you know, and the pools you really want is kind of the the higher income couples, the double income families, the, 
you know, the older families is a dream scenario as well because that's usually when people are at their peak earning cycle. Um, and then if you could also get a property that suits downsizers um, because they're the ones with cash, right? So it's people who are earning a lot of money um, and as their earning goes up, they still want the property as in their, you know, later in their careers. Um, and then the downsizer market um, is ones who have got a lot of cash. So if you could get, a, let's say, an apartment, for example, in Sydney, they could suit a young family, um, especially if it's a bit bigger, um, but could also suit a downsizer um, who's got a house in the area that doesn't want to leave. Um, and so when they try to sell it in five years, ten years' time, the people at the auction is a young family is desperate. They really want to get in the market. And then you've got this cashed-up downsizer selling a house. He's got lots of cash, and then they're competing on it. Um, whereas if the property didn't suit the downsizer, then it's just the young families competing. It's not as much competition. Yeah. I feel like the summary of a lot of the things we've talked about in today's episode is just understanding like where the money is and what the incentives are when it comes to working with all these professionals or who you're selling it to or accessing different products. Yeah, it absolutely is. I think that especially when you're dealing with real estate agents is they make them, they'll make you feel like you're their friend. They'll call you all the time. Um, but yeah, absolutely remember that the vendor is paying for them. Um, and, you know, with the buyer's agency, absolutely ask as many questions you are, how, who's paying you. You really want to be the only one paying them. They're yeah. getting no kickbacks from anywhere else. Um, broking, yeah, they all get paid by the bank. So that's just the way it is. But And no bank will really offer them more commission than the other. So it's not really that conflict there, but it's just more a case of, you know, are they just really keen to sell the product rather than, you know, stopping you? And so I would say that's probably the good way around the incentives. Um, yeah. Wonderful. Well, Chris, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. It was awesome. Good chat. Lots to cover. And um, yeah, I think these are just compounding learnings. It's, you know, it's just trying to learn how to navigate all these different professionals. And so hopefully that was valuable to anyone listening. Yeah, absolutely. And if people want to hear more from you, you're available every week on the Australian Property Podcast and you're answering questions there as well. So people can send them in via the form in the show notes. Absolutely. Look forward to it. All right. Thanks for joining Thanks, us. Thanks, Kate. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast. We hope you learned something new and were able to take one thing away from this episode. If you're keen to learn more, head on over to Rask Education and take one of our free money and investing courses. You could even become a Rask Core member for less than your Netflix subscription each month. And don't forget to subscribe for new episodes in your inbox every week. Plus, if you enjoyed the show, we'd love you to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and send any questions our way via the link in the description. And before we go on, did this podcast contain personal financial advice just for me? Absolutely not, Kate. Our podcast actually contains general financial information only. What that means is the information does not take into account your financial needs, goals, objectives, or even your situation. So because of that, it's important that you consider if the information is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on it. If that all sounds a bit confusing or you're still working out what your needs are, it's a great idea to consult a licensed and trusted financial planner. And don't forget to do your own research. Want to create the perfect ETF portfolio? Join InvestSmart's free live masterclass webinar on the 19th of June to learn how to build a portfolio of exchange-traded funds that match your financial goals. Hosted by money expert Effie Zahos and Paul Clitheroe, one of Australia's leading financial voices and the chair of InvestSmart. 
you'll hear about the evolving economic landscape and what it means for investors, as well as top tips on selecting the best ETFs. Ask your questions live and transform your investment strategy. Visit investmart.com.au forward slash events to grab your place today. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest, now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service, designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.